0: This episode is brought to you by SoftTech. As a leading Nearshore digital services provider, SoftTech helps the hospitality industry scale digital operations through their product-centric agile pods and offers a low-fee, omnichannel, white-labeled online ordering platform. Learn more about how SoftTech creates value through technology at softtech.com.
1: In today's episode, we'll cover the technology-enabled hyper-personalization that restaurant brands of the future could achieve once they move away from an efficiency play to an overall guest experience strategy. Currently, restaurants are shifting their focus to efficiency while continuing to focus on guest experience. Hello, everybody. This is Stephanie Moore, Vice President of Marketing here at SoftTech. In today's podcast, we speak with Melissa Perry, CEO of Products Labs, a product management training organization, and the author of Escaping the Build Trap, Jennifer Perry, Catering Operations Manager at Princeton University, and Jaime Palacio, SVP of Digital and Innovation at SoftTech. Thank you all for being here today. So Melissa and Jennifer, my understanding is that you grew up in the hospitality industry, that your dad owned a restaurant. But then Melissa, you decided to break away from the family tradition and focus on technology. While Jennifer, you've been involved in fine dining and catering operations for large events. Can you both introduce yourselves and tell us a little bit about your experience? Sure.
0: Yeah. So we, um, yeah, I'm the black sheep of the family. Uh, <laughs> so I, um, our, our family grew up, my dad owned a restaurant and a bar as we were growing up before that they owned a catering business in New Jersey. And I guess as growing up, I wasn't that interested in cooking or food. Jenny, on the other hand, was fantastic at it. She was like in the kitchen all the time learning. These are things I regret as I went to college because then I couldn't feed myself. So uh, I got later very interested in the food and restaurant worlds, but um, my background is in technology. So I am a uh, a person who teaches product management. That's what I do at the core. So product management really being figuring out what it is that we should be building right, for our customers. What's the right thing to build? Uh, what are the right software products to build? And I primarily work in software. Um, but how do, we, how do we help scale technology to improve the ways that we do business? And that's what I'm really passionate about. So um, a lot of what I do now is teaching. Um, I'm a professor at Harvard Business School. I teach uh, product management there to the second year MBAs. Um, I have a CPO accelerator for VPs of product and software companies learning how to become executives, and then I train product managers through Product Institute. Um, so, like, everything I do revolves around uh, figuring out how do
1: we build better
0: products and how do we get into that.
1: Okay, great. I'm going to ask you a little bit more about that in a minute. Jenny, do you want to give us a little intro? Absolutely.
2: Hi, everybody. Um, I'm Jennifer. I'm Melissa's sister. So I would say that everybody would say I took the more traditional family route with going with the uh, dining experience uh, that my family's been following. Uh, I would say that I fell in love with really creating an experience for people when they come in. I love the idea that food can change somebody's entire mood. So that really made me fall in love with the hospitality industry that Somebody could have a terrible day and come into a restaurant and have something that they really uh, found delicious and that really put a smile on their face and changed their whole attitude for the day. And that really kind of launched me into – um, trying to find places that focused on creating amazing guest experiences for people, which led me into fine dining. So that's kind of been the main focus of my career is leaning towards um, higher end establishments that focus on creating an amazing guest experience. Um, right now, I work at Princeton University where we do. A lot of large events. I work in the catering department. I'm the operations catering manager. So I execute all of the off-site events for the for the university. It can be departmental events and all the way up until reunion events, which can be a hundred thousand people a day for about two weeks. Um, but we even scale those down into individual class. Uh, events per day so we focus for each class to make sure that they are happy with their menus to make sure it's a special experience for each individual class even though that there's 100,000 people there in a single day so it's really about creating my whole career has been about finding places and increasing
1: the guest experience for everybody in any kind of way that I can. Okay amazing that that sounds so interesting. Okay Jaime you want to um, introduce
3: yourself? Absolutely. Uh, thank you for having me, uh, Jaime Palacios. I am uh, currently the head of SoftTech Digital. Long time SoftTechian, being with SoftTech for over 27 years now. My background is software engineering. I started my career as a software uh, developer then a software architect. Then I started my career on a managerial um, path. Uh, becoming a GDC manager. I run the operations for uh, the Southern California GDC for 12 years. And eventually, I became a practice manager for application development. And like I said today, um, I am running uh, SoftTech Digital. It's a pleasure to be here.
1: Okay, thank you, Jaime. All right, Melissa, before we dive into guest hyper-personalization, would you mind explaining what an experience-driven, product-led, customer-centric organization is and what the challenges are for those organizations?
0: Yeah, so one of the things that have been kind of sweeping the software industry, and I guess not just the software industry, everywhere, has been um, this whole concept of experience-driven, meaning giving the customer experience something that they want. So that could be anywhere from having a great design to, um, you know, all the way to great service. And that is really creating a world for the customer where they want to use your product. Uh, product Product-led means uh, when you scale a company, you're looking at products and in your company, your software products, let's put it that way as something that's going to help you scale that, right? Like it's going to help you scale the experience. It's going to help you scale the value of your company in ways that you couldn't do before. So what's happening right now in the industry is that there's a lot of companies, uh, restaurants being one of them, right? That are becoming software driven for the first time. They're, they're starting to, you know, Restaurants never had software before, really. Uh, They're starting to adopt more software. They're trying to look at these digital applications, these tools in ways where you can say, hey, this can help us deliver more value to our customers. Um, I've been working with a lot of banks, a lot of insurance companies who are also going on this journey for the first time. And what they're trying to do is figure out how do we um, innovate in our companies. And how do we innovate on the value that we provide in ways that we could not do before with a digital experience with software? Um, So that's really what that's about. It's about providing an experience to the customer that's uh, unforgettable, that meets their needs, but also wows them uh, in a way that's going to differentiate you against your competitors. um, But then also being product led as a company, which means figuring out how do we scale our value through software?
1: Okay. Okay. Terrific. Now, Jennifer, um, if the product is the experience um, and we're focusing on hyper-personalization of the guest experience in this podcast, could you share how fine dining restaurants do this well and kind of what casual dining or quick service restaurants could learn from it?
2: Absolutely. So something that fine dining restaurants really seem to understand is that Their product isn't just food and it isn't just beverage. It is service really as well. That's kind of the main focus. People, especially now that we've hit the pandemic, they are looking for an experience because especially with the pandemic going on, you can't go anywhere right now. So if you can go out to a restaurant, even you're kind of lucky right now. Thank God things are opening back up, but it's become, um, almost kind of a mini vacation for people in this pandemic scenario, but Even for fine dining before the pandemic, uh, with the cost, depending on the restaurant you pick, it can be extremely expensive. So uh, with the cost alone, it can almost be as expensive as a mini vacation. So really acknowledging that you want to create as memorable of an experience as humanly possible for the people that are coming in your door knowing how much money they're spending at that type of establishment is key. So they're not just there for the food and they're not just there for the beverage the way that we do this at the fine dining restaurants is really training your employees. Um, we train them to essentially employ user research on the floor at each individual tables uh, by building essentially profiles for each of the tables and each customer. So they take notes throughout the entire service, the entire time they're with you on things that they find that you deem important. So if something is important to you um, that really stands out, say that, You've been there twice, and you've ordered a martini both times, shaken, not stirred. It has to be with Bar Hill gin. It has to have no vermouth, and it has to be at the table four minutes before you arrive. That's something that's going to be noted in your profile, and it's something that's going to be handed to the server before you even get to the restaurant so that server knows to have it ready for you. Um, we also do this by making sure that our staff members have All of our staff members have the same amount of knowledge as every other staff member on the floor so that you don't have to have as many interactions if there are questions from a guest. So say there's an allergy question at a table. The person that you're interacting with at that table is going to have just as much knowledge about the menu items, every single ingredient in that dish, as the manager or the chef is going to have. So they're going to be able to answer your question immediately at the table, and you're going to be able to have trust invested in that person to take care of you and to create that pampered experience. The piece that the casual dining could take away is that we take these notes and we compile them as well for the whole restaurant to use to actually forecast out for the next season. So we'll notice in the notes that a bunch of our customers are requesting certain different types of liquor, they're requesting certain different types of meats or um, just particular foods for the season, or we're noticing an increase in allergies. So we can tailor our menus better, we can tailor our ordering better, we can cut costs in certain ways just by compiling these notes. Now a casual dining can scale that down in a different way by using softwares that they already have readily available to them, such as OpenTable, by using these to create profiles with their employees that they have, by collecting information that they are seeing as they're taking orders and creating small profiles for generalized things to allow this establishment to forecast out for their seasons as well. It'll also help um, them be able to create profiles for returning customers so they can acknowledge the returning customers and create more of a, I would say, gratifying situation for the customers and create more of a repeat customer. So you can actually, I would say there would be a very easy way to interface open table to have it alert the casual dining restaurants because now you can go online and make the reservations through open table. So open table could be linked to a process that would allow open table to alert the restaurant that say this is the fifth time that person's made a reservation. Now that restaurant could actually do something to create a memorable experience for that person knowing it's the fifth time that they're coming in now that the restaurant's been alerted. So if you know that person say orders a margarita every time they come in, you could go out of your, go out of your way to create a memorable experience by bringing a margarita to that table. Maybe you created a new seasonal margarita and you want to share that with the guest. Now that creates a wow situation. This person wasn't anticipating that as opposed to the situations that we're seeing now where more casual dining restaurants take the approach of, okay, we'll send coupons, we'll send um point codes and things like that. That's putting it in the hands of the customer where it's putting them more in a mindset of saving instead of more of a, gratitude mindset where they want to spend more money, they want to return, they want to be a repeat customer instead of I'm in the mindset of I'm going to this establishment and I'm already wanting to save $5. Okay, great. Yeah, I wanted to add something to that, Stephanie,
0: because I, I think what uh, Jenna's talking about that is so important as like restaurants think about digital transformations and building their own software is that it, this is a common issue that I see in a lot of digital transformations I've worked on. It doesn't matter if you're a bank or an insurance company, the way that they usually approach software when you're an in industry that's not used to having software is by immediately going after the cost center and building digital applications that will help you streamline costs. So what do you do? You look at what you're doing right now and then you say, okay, let's automate it, right? Let's automate our automate our bookkeeping, automate this thing over here, automate our inventory, Instead of looking at software as how do I increase the value of what we do? And like what Jennifer's talking about here is a way for restaurant industries to utilize software in ways that increase their value. And it was not possible to do that before. Right. Like You'd have to have you. They do have a small army of staff, but like the the burden of collecting all that data on paper. Right. Or without these systems before is too great that a casual restaurant is never going to spend any money on this thing, right? But now with software, the cost is lower. You can do that. You can actually create digital products yourselves that will allow you to build in an experience for your customers in a way that you could never do before.
1: Yeah, that's such a great point. And Jaime, this is a great segue to you. You have experience building applications for casual and quick service restaurants What, you know, kind of what's your take on this and what do you see as the main challenges to achieve this hyper-personalization that Melissa and Jennifer have described? Uh,
3: So in our experience, you can understand many of these challenges primarily through the optics of the ability to adapt, uh, to change, and to evolve. Uh, And I I think that uh, it's already covered and we've said it multiple times, but the best example and the most recent one is the disruption that we have experienced with COVID, um, which has tested us all on on multiple areas. Uh, But in this case, I personally like the idea of adaptability. There is a great quote attributed to a couple of scientists that read something along the lines of, it's not the strongest of the species or the most intelligent that survive, but the most adaptable. And if you think about it, it, it talks about those who can best uh, manage change. And I think that's really what's behind the dilemma of buying or building. Many of the restaurant commercial off-the-shelf products, at least in our experience, out there, are either, you know, legacy technologies or simply they weren't designed to deliver an experience. And neither You know, they are intended to be integrated as part of a digital ecosystem. Take, for an example, one of our customers. Uh, They are one of the world's leading casual dining restaurants, and we help them to deploy a customer engagement platform in more than 30 countries. Important to highlight that uh, by the time that we came in, they had already completed a similar effort uh, for the U.S. Only. That was primarily based on cuts, commercial of the shelves uh, products. And beyond the, you know, the constraints that they will present, and I think the POS is on, on top of the list as the top offender, uh, in which we see, Repeatedly, you know, closed architectures, issues with uh, maintainability, extensibility, portability, interoperability, and many times, a lock-in with a given vendor. That solution wasn't ready to be localized or internationalized for the rest of their footprint. So, we jointly decided to to go custom. This solution is grounded on, on four uh, main pillars. So a customized CRM deployment, a custom-made uh, loyalty program, an advanced analytics component, and an online ordering capability that, among others, supports a wide range of payments um, internationally. And I think that the business outcomes, the results, speak for themselves. Today, they have a global customer database. And uh, they are set uh, for a hyper-personalization scenario in which they are organically building out a customer 360 view strategy. The platform can launch marketing campaigns in less than an hour, all the way from design to blasting email out to as many targeted recipients as they want. And it also offers a growing new revenue avenue through uh, digital orders. Among, you know, many others. Another great example is about the the fourth largest cinema company in the world who, yes, uh, it is a part of the entertainment hospitality industry, but at the same time offers a wide variety of uh, uh, food and beverage options for their consumers, ranging from uh, candy stores to full bars uh, and also casual dining restaurants. And we've been accompanying them through their digital transformation for the past four years or so. And to answer your question more directly, um, before we came in, they were heavy user of what is considered the standard de facto enterprise package solution for the cinema industry. Interestingly enough, they were the biggest customer for this product. And the challenge was, or is that the solution couldn't keep up, you know, with the pace at which uh, our customer aspired to evolve. So we advised them to design, build, and deploy a new hyper-personalization digital engagement platform. Today, this is a reality. The platform has complete redesign of all digital channels. And uh, during the pandemic, uh, with all the, the, the theaters uh, shut down, uh, we help them to migrate a good portion of their customers to an online uh, streaming platform, and in addition to that, they continue operating their food and beverage uh, services and products through a touchless approach—the typical curbside pickups and, and you know delivery—while giving the possibility to, to gain access to a great deal of online content. These type of adaptations or changes can be made in record times, particularly for those companies that are digital friendly. So they are today so convinced that they have taken the, the right path. They are even considering to resell the platform in a SaaS model uh, for multiple industries, so not only uh, cinemas. The last part that I like to touch on and that I like to connect with what uh, Melissa and Jennifer referred is we normally, deliver these type of uh, services through a value-driven, distributed enterprise agile approach. I know there's a lot of words in that concept, but believe me, they are in there for a reason. And I'd like to highlight a couple, value-driven and lean agile. Um, And that's, for us, the best beacon to bear in mind while uh, understanding a productized organization and also an intended persona or an intended customer. So all the decision-making process can be simplified through those two pillars. Um, And in addition, in in this framework, uh, DevSecOps and cyber liability engineering principles allow us to put an MVP that is also sometimes a concern in the dilemma or whether to build something or to buy it, uh, to to put it out of the door in a matter of weeks, uh, maybe months, but no more than that. And that can translate, you know, in aligning to a pretty aggressive uh, go-to-market strategy or uh, an speed to value that, you know, can, can be uh, expected from not only the business, but also your users. So in summary, uh, that's that's pretty much it, Stefan.
1: Okay. Well, so that's so interesting. So in other words, using an agile software development methodology or an agile approach means maybe you don't have to buy. Maybe it becomes more um, uh, viable to build. And I'm wondering, Melissa, what do you think about that? If an off the shelf solution doesn't give a company competitive differentiation, um, is is it a good idea to, to build?
0: Um I think it's a good idea if if your company has the capabilities, right? Um, You you have to look at that. Are you going to be hiring out this to somebody else? Are you going to be building an internal tech team? Um, You have to make sure that if you do decide to build software, you're doing it with intent. And building your own software also means you're going to have to manage that software over time. So I think... Having your own software and if you use it to seriously differentiate against your competition, right, like we were talking about implementing ways that Jennifer was talking about to, to understand your, your customers and your experience, and you can't find a way to do that with existing products, like, yeah, I think, I think building your own software can give you a serious competitive advantage, but uh, it's not something I think any company should approach lightly. I think if it's not in your, your nature to do that, you need to go out and learn more about how to do that. I think you need to seek expert guidance on it. Um, but if that's the route that you want to take and you want to build your own software, I think it's a great opportunity for you to do things that none of your competitors are doing and to innovate in ways that uh, that other people haven't seen before or that don't exist.
1: So let me ask you uh, uh, one last question I think we might have time for, and I guess it's for all of you. What are you seeing happening in the market, do you see, and Jaime, you may be a, a, a good person to ask from a de- client demand perspective, do you see our restaurant clients, meaning Softex restaurant clients, or other uh, companies viewing software development and systems, you know, custom systems as a key to, you know, increasing the top line, not just efficiency? So.
3: Cool. I think there is a pattern, uh, at least in, in my experience, in which uh, restaurants of different sizes, they will see the front of the house as a way to make revenue, so probably more heavily invested on that area, and probably tra- trying to save cost on the back of the house. Probably that's a, a rule of thumb that can help to navigate the, the decisions and the options that you potentially may run into. And um, I think that you can also find a lot of uh, value in uh, cloud scenarios where you can find SaaS solutions that are not necessarily all the burden for a traditional SDLC, but more an implementation, customization, and deployment type of a scenario that can also move the needle significantly to delivering an outstanding experience.
1: Okay, great. Melissa and Jen, what, what is your perspective on that?
0: Yeah, I, I agree. I think it goes back into what I was talking about as well. Um, when I see transformations where I see companies that are not traditionally software driven try to embrace software, a lot of times it's like, oh, our revenue is the business side. And in restaurants, that would be the front of the house, like Jaime said. And we're just going to use software to streamline our costs. But I don't think, I think if you look at software like that, you're going to miss out on all the benefits that software gives you. Um, I see other industries that are starting to realize that. Um, but if you can't innovate like that, especially if you're a casual dining company, because you're basically a corporation at that point as well, uh, you have to start thinking about how can this help me uh, differentiate, right? Like, how do I see this as a value add strategy instead of just a cost center? Um, a lot of other industries coming to terms with that right now. And I think restaurants have a long way to go with that as
1: well. Yeah. Yeah, no, that's a great point. Jennifer, do you have any last words for us on this topic?
2: I feel like I agree with everybody on this. Um, the only thing that I would add is that if a new software is going to be made for a restaurant, it it can't just be – if it's going to be made by an outside company or, say, a company that has franchises and it's the top company making a software to sell to the franchises, they can't forget that the franchise also – is going to be utilizing that software to try to attract customers. So they have really two end customers to consider. It can't just be made with the franchise in mind. So in other words, like they're not going to want to invest more money in another inventory system. There's so many inventory systems out there. It has to be a system that's going to want to attract customers or attain like or retain customers that already exist and bring them back and incur more revenue for the company.
1: Yeah, okay, that makes that makes great sense. All right, well, thank you all for joining. Um, you've all been very interesting and helped us understand this industry and hyper-personalization. Um, I would love for the audience to be able to get in touch with you. Melissa, do you want to let people know how they can reach you?
0: Uh, yeah, you can either follow me on Twitter and my Twitter handle is at Lissy Jean or uh, follow me on LinkedIn. Uh, my website's melissaperry.com.
1: Okay, great. Jen? You can find me, Jennifer Perry, on LinkedIn. Great, thank you. And Jaime, how can we get in touch with you?
3: Similarly, you can find me on LinkedIn under Jaime Palacios.
1: Okay, terrific. Thank you very much, everybody.
0: Hungry for fresh ideas? Visit softtech.com for more details about how softtech helps the hospitality industry optimize IT operations, revenue, and elevate the guest experience across all order and paid channels with its low fee white labeled restaurant platform. SoftTech, time to evolve.